This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to another edition of the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter, joined as I am each week by Bazooka Joe Valtellini, the former welterweight champion of, of the world in glory kickboxing, the voice of glory kickboxing, a proprietor of his own gym, and uh, soon to be uh, the proprietor of a, of a new web-based service that uh, is coming out very soon. I know you're working really hard at that. Yeah, I can't uh, share the big secrets yet, but uh, yeah, if you follow my social media, I'm kind of releasing each day a little bit of information on what's going on. But uh, yeah, with the gyms being closed, I decided to focus on, uh, you know, building an online training site for everyone around the world and especially everyone from my gym and across Ontario. We're still locked down. So let's learn some bazooka kickboxing. So we're excited. Um, it's a it's a fun project for me. I haven't been able to teach, so this is my way of still teaching to the world and still getting my uh, my teachers fix. There you go. Yes, you're you're giving your gift to the world. So uh, that's excited it. for that. So do you have a, a proposed launch date, or are you playing it by ear? Because you know, you know uh, you no, want to put a hard a date on date. something. I got a hard date. Okay, and, all right. Uh, we decided to go on a special day on the bazooka calendar. Is uh, it Monday, May third? I know so, why it's a special day. Can I can I oh, tell you? Oh, that you can tell me. It's it's your birthday. There you go. I've been Sometimes I even weeks. forget. Yeah. Sometimes I even forget it's my birthday. So thanks for reminding me. It keeps coming up. Well, maybe for my for for your birthday, I'll buy a membership to support you. Does that is that? That's kind of nice. A yeah. Gift? That's that a count? beautiful birthday gift. Right, I'll take well, that. And you get to train. It and it doesn't seem like I'm doing you much of a favor. I mean, I'm I'm joining your service, which is is helping your numbers. But you know, it's not really yeah. a birthday gift. A birthday gift. I should do that and get you something else. No, no. I just think the subscription learning bazooka kickboxing curriculum is the gift for me as well so knowing that you're bettering yourself i'm better too so there you go you'll be low kicking everybody now so is there like do you have live classes like or is this i don't even know if you can share this information yet i'm putting i can share i can share for sure no we uh we realized that everyone has different situations around the world so what we did is we create a home workout based where you don't need any equipment so you just need a little bit of space on your floor. If you have a skipping rope, maybe like one pound dumbbells if you want, you can use them. But you basically learn the curriculum without having needing any equipment at home. If you do have a bag, and then there's another video that I do a bag work section. So I teach you 30-minute bag work workouts that you can do on your bag at home. And then there's a third section, which is tutorials, where I kind of describe techniques. So say I'm teaching a workout and you're having trouble with the switch kick. Then you jump over to the tutorial section, learn the switch kick. Then you can go back and do the workout again. And even the workouts, which is even better, they, they're available at all levels. So whether you're a beginner, um, I'll give you the example of the bag work. I have three of my athletes doing the workout with me. One of them is doing it as a beginner. One is an intermediate. One is an advanced. So any level can do it, and you just work within your own level. So it's creative. It's a lot of work behind it, but we're excited. I mean, to be able to work out at home, and from, I think it's a, a big gift right now. All right. Yeah. Well, I like it. That sounds great. And uh, we'll. I'm sure next week we can share a little bit more information. What the, is it going to be beyond yep. May third? May third is what Sunday? Oh no, it's uh, Monday. 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 Monday, May third. Okay. So next yep. week we'll be. So able Monday to... will be launched. Yeah. We'll have the website out. And uh, right now we're just making sure it's perfect for everybody. We want to make sure it's. Uh, we take out all those little glitches and make sure everything's perfect because yeah. we put a lot a, of work into it. Will there be a promo code for listeners of the show? I think that's what everybody listening uh, we, is. Promo codes? Yeah, maybe we can do something. I have to sit and talk to Danny, who, uh, again, those who don't know Danny, uh, he's my videographer and uh, close friend. And basically, he's a professional videographer. So you're getting professional instruction and professional quality video and sound. So um, it doesn't beat it. I mean, to have Danny filming is just a gift in its own. 
All right. Well, perfect. That sounds sounds good to me. So uh, I don't me know. Why, I don't know why Danny would be responsible for the promo codes, but I think he's just <laughs> passing the buck to him. It's, yeah, yeah. That's so it. So, so he's there's no promo code. We can blame Danny. That's right. So he gets the the blame if if, if that's it. But <laughs> no. But we're excited. It's uh, he's definitely been a big help of the channel. We're ready to go. And uh, yeah, one week away. So get ready. And and the thing is, I'll even share the price. It's ridiculous. It's only going to be. Uh, 9.99 us a month and you'll get three videos a week so you can basically do three workouts um it's unlimited amount of workouts but basically three brand new workouts each week for only 10 bucks a month i was so, gonna do the old like a video the old commercial uh thing where i was like joe for all of that i think i'd have to be paying 300 dollars a month how much does it yeah. cost and then you'd be like, well, the low price of nine ninety nine, you can get all of that. Only nine ninety nine. Yeah. Yep. Right, well, USD. So I mean, honestly, it's very, very cheap for what it is, but uh, the quality is really, really good. You're, you're, there. There's nothing like this in the martial arts market. There's nothing where you can just go and, and learn like this. And the YouTube channel is great, but I, I can only give out little certain things on the channel. This is where I can really break down and give you, you know, my soul in uh, my teaching and curriculum. All right. Well, looking forward to that and uh, looking forward. You've already got one membership. I'm committing. I'm hey, committing right now. Perfect. I love go. it. Well, we got I lots to it. discuss in the world of mixed martial arts. Big uh, time. Yeah. I mean, this past weekend was, was pretty, uh, pretty wild. You know, you start the, the night and you look at it and it starts at 6 p.m. And you're thinking and you're on the East Coast and you're thinking, man, I'm going to be up to like 3, 3 4 a.m. Yeah, you, you, you got three five round fights to, to end the mm -hmm. night. You know, this thing's this thing's gonna go on for some time. They ended. It was done at like eleven twenty. It was unbelievable. I, I mean, it, I loved it. It was, I think, the third or fourth shortest pay per view main card in like the history of the promotions. Like, uh, it was, I was just very surprised. I thought, I thought all three fights had the potential to go the distance. Yeah, so did I. I mean, I think most people did, and I had to even. I'm guilty of it. I had to take a nap before the actual event because I was that person was like calculating the time. I'm like, okay, that's an extra two rounds. Per fight, so that's just six rounds. That's like an extra fight. So I'm like, man, I can't even stay up till 11, 11:30. So I had to pre-plan a nap to, to be able to stay up. But I, I loved it. I had it. a nap also. It was wonderful. It was like oh, glorious. Yeah. It was one of. The, have you ever had a nap where you lie down and you're like, oh man, like I, I can't fight. Just can't sleep. I can't. I can't fall asleep. And like I'm just gonna have to lay here. And but then you wake up and you, you, you like look at the clock and you realize you've been there for like two and a half hours and you definitely napped at some point. Yeah, that's that's more than a nap, though. That's more than a little nap. You, yeah, I, those, I, I was, you I was conked up for like there. two plus hours. It was amazing. Yeah. But I thought that I hadn't slept. Yeah. No, that's nice. Did you wake up charged? That's the most important oh, yeah. part. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was I was uh, on fleek, as the kids say, Joe. Ah. They say after like 15, 20 minutes, though, you can hit like a bad point of the nap where like you can wake up like more tired. Oh, no. I was re I was rearing and ready to go. I mean, yeah. A two as a guy with three kids, two-hour naps are like – that's like Christmas. Luxuries. Yeah. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. So, uh, but even they said too, random point though, because I know you're a coffee guy. They say if you drink coffee, then hit a nap right away. It's actually good and it helps you. I've done that before. Like when the coffee helps. doesn't, it doesn't get you there, and you need you. You're like, okay, well, that didn't work, so let's let's, so let's go to plan B. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they say. It's better naps if you have a coffee just before you nap. All Who right. knows? Well, uh, right. what did you get the most now. wrong of those of the three championship fights in your mind, in the way that you thought they were going to play out? What would you say you got the most wrong? The most wrong, okay, I, I'm, I have close to, close to. It would be Usman getting the finish. I thought he was going to win. I knew Usman was going to win, but to finish him with that big power shot, 
really surprised me and Rose getting the finish. I thought Rose was going to be able to pick her apart, maybe win a decision. But I think the fact that Rose and Usman got finishes, I mean, I, I knew they were close to win. I mean, the Rose fight, I was almost 50-50 on, but Rose getting the finish was probably the most surprising to me. You know, it's funny because the my, mine, I would say, is from the other fight. Mine would be Andrade just being not competitive at all. Like, Andrade just mm. did not have any moments of success in that fight. And that's I thought she was going to be able to, to push Valentina a little bit and okay. be a really competitive adversary. Even though Valentina, I think, was the biggest favorite on the card when, it, when all was said and done. But I thought that she'd give at least Valentina some sort of trouble at some point. But no, I was like, that was, one, that was mastery, really, on, on Valentina Shevchenko's part. Yeah. Did you see what a lot of people were talking about? Like a different Valentina. They were saying like she was almost out there to prove something. Because, I mean, a lot of people were saying Andrade was going to be her biggest test. And then next thing you know, she came out possessed and, you know, went for that finish quick. Yeah, I definitely uh, got that sense and got and, and felt she had a ship on her shoulder. And it's funny. I listened to all the preview shows, like a lot of different preview shows throughout the week, just to like where people break down fights. And I was listening to them and I'm thinking, you guys don't remember how good Valentina Shevchenko is. Because she got taken down once by Jennifer Maya and lost that round. People were like, well, her wrestling is suspect. You know, Jennifer Maya showed that you could take her down and hold her there. She's not as good as we thought she was. And it was like, as soon as that narrative was out there, Valentina Shevchenko was like, no, no, I'm as good as I remember. Like, yeah. this was a blip, and, like, I've got to prove everybody wrong. And, uh, I mean, I thought that she was really out there to prove that she just had no holes in her game. You know, people, yeah. people questioned her grappling, and then what did she do? Wrestled Andrade. Everybody talks about Andrade's wrestling being this great. Andrade has really big slams. But most of the time, wrestling is not a factor, really, in her game. I mean, people think about the Rose knockout and that, that she was able to lift Rose up. And, I mean, her nickname, I think, uh, I forget what her nickname is in, in Brazilian, but it translates, I think, to pile driver. Like, she's, she just has a lot of really big slams and big moments. Explosive moments, yeah. yeah. And I think that, that kind of fools people into thinking that she's this wrestling-based fighter. But she rarely uses her grappling. She's mostly trudge forward, you know, move her head side to side, th throw big shots, Pressure, pressure, pressure. That's what her game is. Mm -hmm. And that kind of game, I wasn't sure how Valentina Shevchenko was going to react to not having the kind of time to think about what to do. But, I mean, she just had anything that Andrade threw at her, she had an answer for. And she was also being offensive with her takedowns, which we don't see Shevchenko do all the time. It's something that she has done in the past. But, uh, yeah, that, that performance was just like, I think that was the best performance of her career given the, given the opposition. Yeah, and, and the way she was using her wrestling, the body lock, man, she just mm -hmm. grabbed you in that body lock and just kind of had her way. I mean, just beautiful, strong, aggressive. She looked just bigger and stronger. I mean, she just looked really, really solid all around. And seeing her wrestle like that just just makes her that much scarier knowing her, you know, her striking credentials. And right into side control. I think we're going to see a lot more of that where people utilize their wrestling to get into side control rather than into the guard. Yeah. And, and yeah, the a lot of people. You can't really be threatened from side control. When you've got side control on someone, there's not much they can do. I mean, they can be slippery and they can get back up. And, and we've seen Khabib do that. Khabib liked to, liked to take people down into side control. Get that, that big body lock on, twist them sideways, get into side control. Because side control, you can't really be threatened much. I mean, you, the, people can get up, but you can also transition to mount a lot easier from side control as well. You don't have to pass guard quite as much. So uh, yeah. even that side yeah. control, the way they use it, like especially Khabib, they, they drive you against the cage. So the only way you escape side control is, sh you know, shrimping out on the one side. But when the cage is against you, you're kind of stuck and you just got to take a beating. 
And like you can't be bumped off of mount uh, of side control as easy as you can on mount. So every one of these big grapplers, that's a big conversation that they're having now is just you know preferring the side control. Yeah, uh, and I, and I can see why, right? Because like let's say you take, if you take Tony Ferguson down and and you're in his guard, I mean he can he has so many offensive weapons he can use. Big but time, if you take yeah. him down to side control, there's not much he can do aside from trying yeah. to get into guard, like try to transition so that you're in his guard. So, I mean, I, I think that we're going to see a lot more of that in the coming years in terms of takedowns, takedowns into safer positions. Yeah. I mean, now talking about seeing more of, we saw a lot of calf kicks being successful. <laughs> and then we also seen a lot of calf kicks now being unsuccessful. I mean, I think that's one of those things where there's always the kryptonite to it. And that's going to change a lot of people thinking about calf kicks now. Yeah, well, I mean, we had, I mean, the main card was just strange. So, like, well, so why don't we recap the, the, the main card from top to bottom, mm -hmm. or from bottom to top, I guess. Which one would it be? Whatever, from first fight to last. So we'll start off with Jimmy Crute, Anthony Smith. I thought Anthony Smith looked good in that fight. I mean, I thought, I thought Jimmy Crute was going to be uh, the far more physical um, fighter. And I, I think that people have stopped giving Anthony Smith the kind of credit he's deserved. You know, since he's moved up to 205, he's been a perennial top guy at 205. Got to the title level. And yeah, he lost to Glover Teixeira. I mean... You know, people lose to Glover He lost to Alexander Rockich. I mean, these these guys are top mm. three guys, top three, four guys. I mean, Glover's the next challenger, right? And I think Rockich is right up there. So, I mean, I don't think that – and, of course, he lost to John Jones. I mean, you're looking at the people that he lost to, and these are these are like the top echelon guys. But as soon as you put him against, you know, the Devin Clarks of the world, now you look at Jimmy Crute, although we don't know how that fight really would have gone if not for the injury. But the injury was sustained by a kick, right? Like, it's not like he – it's a freak injury. Anthony Smith mm -hmm. kicked him, and his leg went out. Um but, yeah, as soon as that that round ended, I was like, there's no way they're going to let this continue. Like, he's not going to be able to walk on that leg. Yeah, it was. It actually looked pretty bad. I mean, the yeah. way his ankle kept rolling and yeah. collapsing, oh. and he was just too aggressive and comfortable. He kept walking, like, stop, stop. Yeah, stop I, like, walking, I was like, don't do it. I don't yeah. want to see his your ankle roll yeah. every step. I mean, yeah. it was his just, corners, it honestly. corner should have stopped that. But, I mean, yeah. you know, Crude's a tough guy, and I think that he, he would have wanted to, to fight through that. But oh, you saw time. him walk back to the to the stool after they called him. Oh, he, it, just, he almost fell. Like, right it made me face. sick. It made me sick well, thinking that's the his ankle thing was going to snap. That everybody's kind of talking about that is a result of these these uh, these calf kicks and uh but yeah. was that even? I don't even know if that was a calf kick that landed that caused. It was kind of a kick to the back of the calf. Yeah, that, it's, uh, it's different. Point. I mean, I mean, who knows where it hits and if it hit the nerve? But it could even have been. I don't know. I mean, everyone talks about being the nerve, but was it the knee? But who knows? The knee. It had to have been a nerve because there was no foot control. So whether it was a knee injury or it hit the calf, I'm like, I don't know. It's very difficult to tell. But man, I was just. In my head, almost sick seeing that ankle continually roll and collapse. But look who his corner is. I mean, a lot of people don't know who is in his corner. It's Sam Greco. You know Sam Greco. He's one of the K1 badasses, man. Sam Greco was known for good power, low kick. So you know he comes from a strong, aggressive kickboxing you know, coach. So, I mean, big, powerful low kicks. Greco's not stopping that. Yeah, well, and I mean, Anthony Smith coached by the James Krause as well yeah. as uh... – of course, Mark Montoya. Montoya. So, yeah. I mean, but uh, James Krause, I mean, you look at Khabib, you look at James Krause, like these guys are going to be two of the top coaches for like, oh, the next, like for decades, right? Like Krause yep. still active, Khabib retired, but I mean, these guys are, you know, these, these guys are just showing how good they are as coaches. And uh, wasn't it um, uh, Jeff Molina? Was, wasn't Krause, yeah, Krause was his coach too, I yep, think. Yeah, Krause was there, yep. That, and he got that That guy's a scary guy, Jeff Molina. He just looks yeah. so calm. Like the guys, he's got. You've got this guy who's, I think, 
was the guy he was fighting the the Mongolian murderer? Was that his new game? I think so. I yeah, think so. so. Either way, you've got this guy that's that's just pushing forward and like continue. Yeah, I think it was the Mongolian. It was uh, Auri Kilang, I think is his name. And uh, the guy's just marching forward and throwing big shots. And the guy just looks like he's there for like for like morning tea. He just <laughs> looks looks so calm the whole yeah. time. It Not was enough like, power. Ooh. He needs a little bit of power, but I mean the style worked. It's sustainable. It's that Diaz style of keep hitting, hitting, hitting volume approach. He's got but good precision, it was though. fun. He was hitting. Yeah, like big oh yeah. Shots. Yeah, not not enough power, but if you hit someone that many times in any other weight class, that person's going out, you know, yeah. even with those repetitive shots, but still calm, collected, pulling them in, slipping, ripping, you know, I liked it. It looked good. I mean, something's going on really good there at that uh, Glory MMA camp because, I mean, every time all of James' guys seem to win all the time. I mean, he's got something, uh, he's got something special. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And, I mean, you're not seeing people that are really at the very top of the uh... – of the food chain in a lot of divisions, but I guess Anthony Smith would be one of the one of the fighters that kind of is like I mean Anthony uh, continues to to hang around at the top of that division. Like I think he's going to be the ultimate gatekeeper in that division. You know, like if you beat him, that shows that you're ready for the big time. But like, tell me what's more impressive to you? Like, I mean, I mean, both are very impressive. But if you think about it, like you have a Trevor Whitman, for example, who has already he got Usman already as a high-level champion, and he's fine-tuning, which, again, mm-hmm. you saw the results of yeah. slight fine-tuning. Fantastic. But then there's James Krause with 20, 30 guys now who are not even in the top 10 who he's making and developing and training into top 10. So I kind of see that James Krause with that big volume. He's at every UFC building guys, guys who shouldn't win are winning. Like that to me is what a coach of the year is. Some coach, like if you get an already developed guy, what what are you yeah, doing but, really? But, I mean, but it's Whitman, important. We, Whitman but... did mold Rose and Justin Gaethje into championship level fighters. Oh, yeah, right? but I'm so, saying which is more impressive. Yeah. You know, both are, but which is more impressive? To me, I kind of think that James Krause approach is, you know, yeah, something that's got to be celebrated. Yeah, I think it's one of those time will tell things, right? Because you're seeing people that are just kind of in the entry level under James Krause moving up slowly, right? Like yeah. that's that's what I want to see is like what what are their ceilings now? You know, wh- how far are they going to go? So I'm curious about that. But um, the, the next fight, Chris Weidman, uh, you know, obviously that injury, it's a freak injury. It's only happened three times in a UFC fight. And two of them had Chris Weidman in the cage for them. So, uh yeah, I just hope he can bounce back from this. But here's one thing we got to remember. Anderson Silva was older than Weidman is now when that happened to Silva. And Silva came back, fought six, mm. seven times in the UFC. It wasn't that successful. But, I mean, you know, this isn't exactly a death sentence for someone's career. I mean, and how will – okay, I, my understanding is Weidman is 36. Yeah. So, I mean, it's tough. And, I mean, and if, even if it's a two-year recovery – and. He, Silva came back, but I've also seen another personal example I know is Tyrone Spong. Tyrone yeah. Spong versus Gokan Saki happened in glory, and we really haven't seen Spong, you know, fight since then. But, you know, granted, he's kickboxing over MMA, where if you're fighting kickboxing, you know you're going shin to shin. You're clashing shins a lot more than you are in MMA. So I had that, but it still could be career ending. I hope not, because I. Even before this fight, I was explaining to people, I was like, listen to Chris Weidman's story. And I was like, the guy has probably, you know, a lot of UFC fights, but I heard he's had somewhere around 22 surgeries. 
So yeah. you got to think for almost every UFC fight he's had, he's had at least had one surgery to go with it. And then to have a surgery like that. So it couldn't have happened to like a worse person, you know, who's had a lot of these problems in the past. So it's kind of sad. And it, it made me sick, to be honest. It made me sad. I only was able to watch it live. I couldn't even watch the replay. Mm-hmm. I honestly still Same. get mad that people are posting it on Instagram. Yeah. I'm like, okay, we saw it. Let's try not to get some clout off of his leg shattering because it makes me sick and I don't want to see it no more. So don't post it anymore. I hate it. And we didn't put it on Sports Center either. Um, you know, like we we kind of talked internally about that and kind of uh, came to it. I don't like it. We don't need to show that. Like it's you know it's a freak injury. But you know, on the flip side though, if it was basketball, would we have showed it? Maybe. I, I don't know. Sure, I, yeah. I, I, I don't know the answer to that question. But uh, uh, you know, be that as it may, I mean, Chris Weidman, it, it was it was hard watching that because you heard the interviews with him going into this talking about his father-in-law passing recently, how close he was with his father-in-law. Yeah. And then moving to South Carolina, he said they were in such a great place. Like He just he, he felt like he was at his, his best, training with new partners, learning new tricks. Just felt like mm-hmm. he had picked up all these, you know, he was he seemed like he was really at peace going into this fight. And then for something like that to happen, that can make you just second-guess everything, right? So, yeah, yeah it's tough uh, tough to see. And, uh, you know, hopefully he is able to bounce back. But that's a, that's a tough thing to watch. And, and watching him crying on the uh, the stretcher when he was being stretched, stretchered out of there, it's like... Uh-huh. It's just heartbreaking. Your heart breaks for that guy. And also, and listen, I, I'm not going to make it, you know, make it seem like what Uriah Hall has gone through is anything near that. But bad luck just keeps seem, seeming to follow this guy. You know, he, he trains for all these fights and all these weird things keep happening that prevent him from getting in the time that he's supposed to be getting in the cage. I mean, he, he did have that full fight with Anders and Silva, but before that was supposed to fight Jacare. They squared off. Jacare ended up being, I think, re- really the first fighter that had a positive COVID diagnosis during fight week that had to pull out of a fight. And then he had another fight booked and his opponent pulled out like, you know, kind of at the last minute, like all these things keep happening to Uriah Hall that, you know, you, you almost wish he was getting the cage time, but that being said, he gets, he gets his, his show and win off of something like that, which I'm sure is great for him. And, and it, as Dana White said, a win is a win. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I, I'm just eager to see what he can do from here, but I, I do feel bad that he, he's in all these weird situations all the time. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't get to – let's be honest. I'm sure he's happy to get a win and bonus like that. He fought a good guy. We're all happy about it. But we all want that ring time, and we need to see it from him. I think none of us really have this strong mental image with Uriah Hall in our head. I mean, the last thing I remember was a, a not really exciting fight with Anderson Silva. So um, he needs to remind us how good he is, and I just don't think he's given that opportunity, and that's where the sadness comes because he's he's. We got to remember who he was and how spectacular he can be if he fights, you know, uh, for excitement. So hopefully he gets that chance soon. Yeah. Maybe we're, a quick turnover. Right? Saud for three three four years. I'm sure he has all these new tricks that we just haven't had a chance to see. Yeah, and I heard even uh, a lot of people talking, like I don't know him personally, but they say like there's been some sort of maturity around him. He's become the captain of his team and, you know, just a, a good mindset uh, is showing in the training. Yeah, you see him cornering a lot of the, the people from Florida. I think he corners Ryan Spann. Like he has yeah. taken on kind of a leadership role for sure. Yeah, no, it's good. That's probably why he's getting better. He's Once you start coaching and once you start having to teach people, that's when you really start, you know, learning the skills and developing and being connected with your team. And it's it's a it's a unique feeling. All right, let's go to the title fights. We mentioned Shevchenko and Andrade a little bit earlier, but uh, just, just mastery from Valentina Shevchenko looked fantastic in that fight. And, uh, I mean, I don't know where you go from here. I, I think that the, the next challenger should be uh, the winner of Lauren Murphy and Joanne Calderwood. I think that, that makes the most sense. And uh, I do like that Valentina's like, well, you know, whenever she's asked about Nunez, she says, I'm not going to ask for that fight. That fight's going to happen, but it's going to happen when 
it, it happens naturally. When people are like say this fight has to happen, they're demanding it. Dana White says it's going to happen. Nunez wants it to happen. She says, I'm not in a rush for that. I'm happy to just keep fighting in my own division and become kind of, uh, you know, the master of that division. Like a Demetrius Johnson type thing. Like, mm-hmm. You see these odds, though. Like, I imagine that when she faces Lauren Murphy or Calderwood, she'll be at least a 10 to 1 favorite. Oh, yeah. Big time. Huge. I just think, I mean, who are we going to really get overly excited for to see Valentina fight? So, I mean, that's why the talk with Amanda Nunez keeps coming up. I mean, we need those big super fights. I mean, between – do we want to see it again? I guess we're going to have to eventually. But uh, what about, uh, you know, Shevchenko maybe fighting some of the other girls in, you know, the bigger divisions kind of see? Like, it could be fun to see her maybe fight. True. I mean, she's I beaten know. a lot of them already. She's beaten Holly Holm, beaten Juliana True. Pena. You know, like what, I mean, like a Jermaine Durand, exactly. Yeah, maybe Jermaine. I don't know. But, but with uh, her good wrestling now, like I don't, I don't know. Could I think she's happy to stay at one twenty-five or... and just keep defending the title. I don't think she has the desire to move up. Like, yeah. to, you know. So I, the thing I love about Valentina is like, where are the holes in her game? I mean, like, you know, like <laughs> no. I, I think that if you were to like grade her in every attribute, she's like a nine everywhere. You know, like I don't think she's spectacular at anything where whereas like this is how she's gonna beat you. But she can. The the beauty of that is she can beat you everywhere. She's not a specialist. She's just like great at absolutely everything. But I think that like what you're mentioning there is probably one of the biggest compliments you can give Valentina because she's known as the striker, her striking background. So the fact that you just said that she's that well-rounded is probably a huge compliment to her game to say that her wrestling and her grappling and her you know jiu-jitsu is at the level of her striking. So that's a big compliment. Yeah, I would, I would think it is. And, and the reason why I would say that is because I feel like in order to be like a 10 out of 10 in striking, you have to have the power also. You have to have like that one-punch knockout power. And we've seen her get finishes like the one against Jessica I with that head kick. But um, I, I'm not sure she has... Like, I would say that Rose has more power than her, if that makes sense. Like, it, not that she would be able to like knock out Valentina or anything like that. I'm just talking about from like division to division. If you were to rank the most powerful people in each, each division, I mean, I think Rose has a lot of power that is kind of underrated. Uh yeah. But Valentina, I think, is like kind of a death by a thousand paper cuts most of the time. But she also has that great precision, right? Like, like the head kick I mentioned at Jessica I. She's got great timing, great precision. So, so like, she's just so good everywhere. It's it's gonna be hard to find somebody that's gonna be able to beat her at 125 pounds. And I think that's why the Nunez talk is always there because she she went uh, the decision with Nunez both times, right? Like, she's hung with Nunez. Yeah, I actually, I, I mean, I think. Valentina would have more power than Rose. Like, I mean, if you ask her to hit something, I think Valentina will hit it harder, pound for pound. But I just think Rose, it's her, the the timing she throws it. Like, that head kick wasn't necessarily a hard head kick she landed against Wei Li. It was Wei Li exiting, not seeing it, and set up perfectly and hit the right spot. So, I mean, I think maybe just Valentina just setting things up and not really having to overpower things could help her out. But... I mean, outside of Amanda Nunez, who's the big finisher? I mean, Amanda just puts everybody out. Yeah, I'm with you. And uh, it seemed like a lot of super fights kind of died with uh, with with Whaley losing. Whaley versus Shevchenko was talked about a lot. Yeah, so, I think, but that's yeah. what the women need, though. I think like we need to continue to put on, try to get on these bigger super fights. I know it's hard, and the talent isn't uh, as rich as the men's division, but that's kind of why I'm. I, I think within a year or so, we should almost see Valentina and Amanda. All right, again. but here's the question, though: If Wei Lee says I'm moving up to 125, that weight cut was hard for me at 115. You'd have to think she'd probably be next in line for the flyweight title. Do, do you agree? 
Yeah, looking at, you know, the flyweight division, yeah, I would put her up there. Yeah. So I, I mean, definitely put her up there. That, that's one thing we shouldn't. I mean, that, I don't know if it's still a super fight, given that Whaley's not a champion anymore. But I mean, it would be nice to see that kind of a challenge for Valentina. Uh, that said, l- let's go to the the co-main event: Rose getting that knockout over Whaley. Uh, who would you like to see Rose fight next? Because Dana White seemed to not be ruling out a rematch. I mean, um, Joanna's fun, obviously. Yeah, I, she's I'm okay. Twice. Yeah, but I'm okay with it. I mean, I'm still okay with it. And then there's that the, the other Chinese girl. Well, there's Esparza's facing Yan Xiaonan. That's who you're talking about. Yes. So yes, I think yeah, the winner. I personally think the winner of that fight should get the next shot. Yeah, I mean, Carlos looked good, but uh, I don't know. I just, I think Joanna's personality brings more excitement surrounding the fight, and that's kind of why I like it. Ioana with her antics, trying to get in her head. The last fight when, you know, she's like, I'm going to hurt you. And, you know, Rose doing the Lord's Prayer. And, like, that kind of excitement stuff kind of makes it more as a fan excitement. But Carla would be nasty. Let me sell you on Asparza. I'm going to sell you on Asparza here. I'm going to put my promoter hat on. So the first ever women's championship uh, strawweight fight. Do you remember what the first fight ever was for the championship at strawweight? Um, I I know Carla came in because she won the show as it. So Carla versus someone, I wouldn't know. Carla versus Rose was the first ever strawweight championship fight. And Rose got, I think she got choked out. She got submitted by Esparza. And this was a different Carla Esparza. Carla Esparza, I think at the time, along with Joanna, were the two best strawweights in the world. I don't think Rose was really there yet, but you saw all of these different glimpses of creativity that Rose had and all of the different things that she she brought to the table. But um, I think that uh, the reason why a Rose fight, a Rose versus Carla rematch really interests me is because A, Carla's 1-0 against her, um, yeah. and B, if Rose is able to beat Carla, she'll she'll have cleaned out the division's champions. She'll have beaten Ioana, Whaley, and Carla, all the previous champions from the division. In her like before even turning thirty, yeah. I I just think that that kind of accomplishment for Rose would do wonders for her career, big time. Yeah, I think that does more for her than a third win over Ioana. Yeah, I mean, I just looking for excitement, but uh, Carla I think is could be more dangerous because of her wrestling. But every time we see Carla, like she's squeezing out these like split decision wins, she hasn't been as dominant. So like she hasn't really to me made a huge statement. But is she deserving of one? Heck yeah. Yeah, yeah, and she'd I do think, a I damn good job beats, at it too. If she beats Shao Nan. What's her? What does she have? Like, uh, I'm trying to think of how many wins in a row she'll have. I'm, I'm looking it up now. I'm pretty sure she'd have like four or five wins in a row. And I mean, Yan Shao Nan will, close, will have been you know? undefeated, I believe, in the division. I don't think Yan Shao Nan has lost yet. So, Carla's turning 34 in October. I imagine if she does win this, that yes, yeah, so she'll have won five in a row. Virna Jantijoba, Alexa Grasso. Michelle Waterson, Marina Rodriguez, who, I mean, we just saw what Rodriguez did to Amanda Hibosh, so mm-hmm. uh, that, that's certainly not an easy win. So if, if you look at those four in a row and then a win over Xiaonan, I think that puts her into position for, uh, for the next title shot. That would be quite the run for Carlos that she hasn't had in some time. And then you look at Yan Xiaonan. Xiaonan has, is, uh, she's 13-1, and one and she's won, she has not lost in the UFC. She's won six in a row, so this will be seven in a row for her also. Wins over... Um, the likes of Angela Hill, Karolina Kovalkiewicz, Claudia Gadelia, and then Asparza. I mean, that's a, a pretty good four-fight win streak. All yeah. She's had three unanimous decisions against those, those last three I mentioned. So if she can get a unanimous decision win over Carla, I mean, that's, uh, that would be a pretty, uh, pretty nice win streak for her. 
I mean, there's the potential for good fights. I mean, you got to think within a couple fights, Mackenzie Dern even right. could be even so in conversation very soon. I mean, that jujitsu threat right away. Can she close the distance working, you know, improving her striking, look good her last fight. She's finishing and submitting everyone. That could be interesting in the next yeah. year, even yeah. as well. And some tough news came down, I guess. Uh, um, Tatiana Suarez spoke to Ariel Hawani and said that she suffered a couple more injuries along the way, and uh, probably isn't, it doesn't seem like she's going to fight again this year. So hey. that's just a rough go for her. I mean, her last fight, I believe, was in Chicago against. The, it was a night that I think Henry beat Marlon Moraes okay. and won the bantamweight title. And that was a that was a while ago. And that was the last time she fought where she beat Nina Ansarov. She's still undefeated, but I mean, I, I think she she could win the championship if she was healthy. Like I I don't see anybody beating her in that division, to be honest. And are the injuries you know public of what's happening? Or well, I, yeah, I think she said she got a hand injury. I mean, the last one was a bad neck injury. Yeah. Um. So she just has been riddled with injuries in her career. I mean, she's. It seems like her dreams keep getting ripped away from her. I mean, she was supposed to be in the Olympics and got cancer, and wasn't able to compete yeah. in the Olympics, and then. Once she won the Ultimate Fighter, she got injured and, and had a pretty long layoff there, if I remember correctly as well. So it seems like she's just had a lot of uh, roadblocks to, uh, to reaching her dreams, sadly. Yeah. Although I think she's, she's one of she's the one sad stories. I think. Yeah. I, like I think that if she she comes back, wins one fight, you got to give her a title shot. Yeah, I mean, she's just one of the sad stories of the last year, you know, not being able to compete with injuries. The other person that comes to mind is uh, Hamzat Shemaev, the poor guy, you know, like. It's just sometimes life sucks in this opportunity. So hopefully they get better because you're talking about two of the biggest potential stars in the UFC not being able to compete with uh, some form of injury. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, so then you got the main event. Kamaru Uzman retaining his title, knocking out Jorge Masvidal in, in devastating fashion, really. And I, I didn't write off this possibility because, I, I mean, Uzman has shown that he has the power, that he's, he's shored up his technique a little bit in terms of his striking. And, uh, you know, Masvidal is a smaller 170-pounder. It's just, it is what it is. And um, I, I'm not super surprised that it happened. I think it, I think the the fashion in which it happened was surprising. And, I mean, nobody really does that to Masvidal. He has one knockout loss in his career. And that, I would say that that was a bad referee stoppage. But it was very similar to the one that happened against Usman. He got hit flush by Rodrigo Dom. Uh, but unlike this one, he, he didn't go out. Uh, and the referee just kind of jumped in. That was in Sengoku a long time ago. But yeah. uh, for this particular fight, I, you know, I, he was out. Like that, that, as soon as Usman landed that shot, that fight was over. Yeah, it was just brutal timing. Like the way Masvidal's neck just kind of clipped and twisted, you know that was a finisher. That was, that's the definition of a beautiful right hand. The way you landed it, the way it clipped the jaw, the way it turned the head, like that was on. And the power he threw it with, geez, like that that was a beautiful right hand. That, that was a beautiful finish. Now I heard it. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I was just shocked by the power and the rotation and how he followed through. Like, you couldn't have landed a better punch. Yeah, and now I've heard a, I heard an interview with uh, Colby Covington on Submission Radio. And it's like, I'm, I'm getting very excited for that rematch. Like, I, I think that's the fight you got to make. Dana White, I think, is right about that. Um, but I, I think, you know, Helwani made a good point yesterday, and it's a point that I've been thinking of. Is like, if you're Colby Covington you got to sign that bout agreement before Nate Diaz potentially beats Leon Edwards. Because yeah, if, if yeah. Nate Diaz beats Leon Edwards, that's, that fight's off the table. Like, you got to give Nate Diaz the shot just for promotional purposes. He won't have earned it. Although a win over Leon Edwards puts you in the top three of the division. But, I mean, you know, we all know how that, that money talks in this business. 
Yeah, well, Kobe being there, getting his face in the camera. I mean, he's doing his part. I mean, he's doing his part on what he can to build the fight. But, uh, yeah, I think that's the one. I think it brings the hype. It's got storyline. It's got excitement. It's got trash talk. It's got it'll get everybody excited. It's uh, And I think that's what kind of Usman needs to do is keep riding this momentum train of exciting fights, exciting buildups. And this is how already now, like – if you talked about Usman last year, you're kind of like, well, he was boring. He's not really finishing anyone. Now I'm like, I don't know. I mean, you want to see him fight. There's storylines. He's knocking people out. He's he's entertaining. Like he's really transformed himself into uh, you know, the starter and pound for pound that he deserves. Well, listen. I mean, people were talking about August for this fight. If it, it could happen in August, if it happens in August and Usman wins that fight in six months, he'll have beaten Burns, Masvidal. And Covington. And if he does it inside the distance with all three, it's like, I don't know how you can deny this guy in terms of just yeah. all-time status. I mean, but the, you know what? The talk right now about him being better than GSP, people think people have GSP as not only the best welterweight of all time on a lot of lists, but the best fighter of all time. So if yeah. you're going to come out and say that Usman is better than, is the best welterweight of all time, you're basically saying that he, he's the best fighter ever. Like, you're putting him yeah. in that conversation. Yeah, big time. I mean, I think you can look at him with... He's definitely passed at this point Tyron Woodley's reign as champion. So, I mean, the other person you can think about is GSP. I mean, it's it's tough to to deny it. I mean, it's it's got to be a close uh, a close conversation by now, you would think. Well, I mean, this is what I always say with this, this particular um, situation. I, uh, I, I said it to Dana White and I said it to Ali Abdelaziz. I think, I think that the biggest issue with Kamaru is the lack of title defenses compared to GSP, but I'll also say that there are a lot more players at welterweight right now than there were in George's day, and a lot of those people on the way up were ducking Usman. He, he could not get fights with ranked opponents because people knew how good this guy was, yeah. and as a result of that, I, I think that that really hindered his resume because he wasn't able to, he was still had to fight like Emil Mech. He had to fight a lot of these guys that were unranked because he couldn't get uh, fights with guys that were ranked high because they didn't want to fight him, and, and rightfully so. I mean, hey, if you're rank, if you're ranked number five and people, they offer you Usman, I'm not saying yes to that fight if he's if he's unranked. No, he's gonna grab you, he's gonna wrestle you, he's, he's gonna, gonna make, make it miserable. a tough night. It's a yeah. miserable night for you, yeah, yeah for and sure. you're gonna lose your ranking ultimately. Yeah. If, if you unless you really think you're better than this guy, which I don't think a lot of people do. Yep. Uh, you know, and I think that that kind of you know made his resume not quite what GSP's is. But uh, I think right now, if you're doing pound for pound, you got to put uh, Usman number one if Khabib's well, out of the picture. Big time. If you look at all the, the champions, like by far, if, if being the champion is part of a definition of being the pound for pound best right now, then you look at all the champions, I mean, he's your pound for pound best. I mean, currently, for sure. Yeah. I mean, Volkanovski, Sterling, Figueredo, you know, Adesanya, and Blachowicz. You got to go. Usman is the best champion we have right now. And then Ganu, yeah. And then Ganu, well, a couple more Do you think we'll ever see a heavyweight guy ranked number one pound for pound? Like, isn't the idea of pound for pound is like if you took Usman and put him in a heavyweight's body, he would beat everybody, right? Like, that's kind of what pound for pound is. So in order for him to be the pound for pound best as a heavyweight, I guess John Jones is a heavyweight now, and he's number two on the list if you're going to put Usman ahead of him. He's, I guess, number one on the list once Khabib retired, so he's technically a heavyweight as number one, but we haven't seen him compete at heavyweight yet, and I don't know if we ever are. Because yesterday it came out that he had... um, split with his management, uh, first-round management, who have represented him for uh, more than a decade. But from what I understand, uh, having spoken to multiple people, like th- this relationship had, had dissolved some time ago. And, uh, 
you know, John Jones has kind of been representing himself. So if mm. he's going to represent himself and he thinks he's worth $30 million or whatever it is, even $20 million, and he's, and he's the one that's doing the negotiations, this is why you need a manager. Because yeah. even if you're giving your manager 5%, 10%, whatever it is, like if somebody came out and said, hey, John, we know you're going to make a lot of money. We'll manage you for 5%. You know, mm. you're going to make, we, we want you to make 20 on this next fight. We're going to end up getting uh, five, uh, what would that be? So 20, a million dollars, basically. We're going to get a million dollars for representing you. Mm. We'll, do, we'll do it for 5%. Because having John speak to Hunter Campbell and speak to Dana White and try to negotiate his own terms, he's at a massive disadvantage. He's got no clout. I mean, the only clout he has is his name. But like, let's say you are, let's say you go to someone like Ali Abdelaziz or Adi Attar or, um, you know, uh, AJ Vaynerchuk, uh, Lloyd Pearson, you know, Vayner Sports. If you go with one of those guys and they, and even if you were with first round management who represent Jorge, at least you have someone that's representing you they can say hey you know let's give john this deal we'll work with you on this guy and we you know you have lots of chess pieces to play with if you're representing yourself yeah. you got not you don't have any chess pieces you, you only you know the ufc have shown that they can thrive as a business without paying people i guess what they're worth because i think john jones in a francis and fight is worth a good amount of money yeah no big time i just think the problem now it's like that's probably what it was with the management. They're probably not getting him what he wants, right? And so he's kind of like, well, I'm not settling for this. And they're probably like, well, this is all they're offering you. And there's probably a lot of back and forth. But I can't see him fully managing himself. I'm sure he'll have some sort of help behind it. But I think right now, does he even really need management? Why does he need to pay someone a million dollars? Like, I mean, I think he's at a point where, like, well, I just kind we of all it, want Joe. this fight. <laughs> I just kind of explained it, right? Because he's got, he's got nothing to fall back on, right? Like, if, if, the, if the negotiations fall apart... Let's say negotiations fall apart and you don't have a manager and you're John Jones. They don't need to call you. They, they don't need to call you. For, why, why would they need to call John Jones if the negotiations have fallen apart? The only time they would need to call John Jones is if they don't have a backlog of heavyweight that they could put up uh, against Nganu for legitimate fights. And right now you've got, uh, you, you've got Derek Lewis, who has a win over Nganu. Terrible fight, but he still has a win over Francis. You've got Volkov who's never fought Francis. You've got Cyril Gunn, who used to train with Francis, is coming up. They're gonna, they would want to fight each other. You've got people in place that you can put in. You know, when, when Gilbert Burns fell off the card against Usman, and they weren't willing to negotiate with Masvidal until they needed him, they weren't yeah. willing to negotiate with him. Now, they don't need John Jones. So, if you have a manager representing you that has a lot of clients, and they, like, again, I'll, I'll just use... I'll use Adi Attar as an example. Adi Attar, let's say he's booking McGregor. Um, and, and, they, and he's got a lot of other guys. He's got Israel is managed by Adi Attar. Uh, Leon Edwards is managed by Adi Attar. You're on the phone with the matchmakers and say, hey, you know, we, we just did this deal for Leon. Let's talk John Jones. You at least have that, that ability to, to bring up your client. But yeah. if you're John Jones and you don't represent anybody but yourself, you don't have that. So they don't need to call you. You need to call them. If you want to fight, you, John Jones is going to need to pick up the phone and say, hey, I thought about this. I'm willing to take 15. He's got, he yeah. just doesn't have a position of leverage. But the leverage is him being known as the pound-for-pound pound best in most people's eyes. And out of all those fights, the Derek Lewis's and all those surreal guns, they're not going to sell and do that, what John Jones versus Francis would do. So that right there is John Jones' leverage, right? right? Well, let's, let's break down the numbers then. So let's, let's say you can get Derek Lewis for $3 million. So, and, and John Jones, let's say hypothetically, you get for 25. Okay. So you've saved $19 million 
on this. So let's say that from a pay-per-view standpoint, Nganu versus Lewis does 500,000 buys, even 400,000 buys. Okay. And John Jones versus um, John Jones versus Francis does, let's say, 1.5 globally. Probably would even do more. Let's say 1.7. So the discrepancy there is 1.3 million buys, let's say. Mm-hmm. So if each buy gets... Well, first off, I don't think the UFC makes that much money off of the ESPN Plus deal because I think they're given kind of a flat rate. So if they're given a flat rate, then automatically it doesn't matter who you put in there, right? Yeah, like it won't you're, matter. You're going to please yeah. your partners, but like if you're not getting that big of a cut, plus you have to give out a big cut of the money to the fighters if it goes over a certain threshold and you have a pay-per-view agreement with them. So you lose all that money. Let's say the gate, the difference in gate, if you're going to have Francis, let's say it's at T-Mobile Arena, Francis versus... Uh, Derek Lewis doesn't sell out. Tickets are cheaper. Let's say your gate is, um, I mean, the gate for Jacksonville is three point three million. Let's say your gate's two million dollars. And if you have John Jones versus Francis, you sell it out. Expensive tickets. Your gate is seven million dollars. So what are you leaving on the table there? Five million dollars. About that, yeah. So there you go. And the discrepancy between the two contracts is nineteen. There's a lot of ground you need to make up for that nineteen million dollars, and they're more than happy to just have their way with it and book a fight that people are still going to want to watch. Maybe not as many people, but from an economic standpoint, it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I just think it's like the Connor effect, you know? I mean, you just want to see the best guys do it. And I think no matter what the value of the dollar is, I mean, look what it would do, I think, with just eyes, attention, people talking about it, the the media coverage. Like, I think that's worth it. Connor has the track record where he can sell. He could fight Joe Valtellini tomorrow night. Uh, you know, out of nowhere, and people would buy it, and he'd be able to hype it up. He's he's a great partner for them. He can he can hype the fights up. You know, you're going to get a certain floor of buys with Conor McGregor. John Jones has not been a big box office hit for the UFC. Great fighter, we all know. He's probably the number one guy, uh, maybe ever. I I think he's the greatest of all time. But yeah. from a box office standpoint, he's done well, but he hasn't done. He's not Conor. He's not Khabib. He's not. He's not even Masvidal. Right, mm-hmm. so when you when you think about it that way, you're still taking a risk by putting John Jones against Francis and hoping that people outside of the MMA bubble will buy into it. John Jones needs to go out and sell that fight. Francis needs to go out and sell that fight. There's yeah. still a lot of unknowns going into that if you're the UFC. So I I, could, I understand from a business perspective why they would say to John, well, thanks but no thanks. We're not going to be able to do to give you 25 million or 20 yeah. million when we can have Lewis for two million. Yeah, it, it, the best situation for Jones might be for Francis to kind of knock out uh, and dominate the Derek Lewis. If he beats, you know, smashes Lewis, smashes Volkov, and then I think that's where uh, Francis will create the demand for John Jones potentially at that time. Right, but the more Francis wins, when's that? A, a year, maybe. <laughs> I would say a year. You don't think Francis could, you know, two big wins nice and quick in a year, and and then next thing you know, next year we got it, you know. Maybe. Gives John's more time. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I just I think know. that's the super fight I want to see. So I'm going oh, sure. to fight I wanna see every which there's way no and fight, argue There's every no way fight I would it. rather see more. Believe me. There's no yeah. fight I would rather see more right now. But I agree with you. It, than Jones versus Francis. Doesn't make sense. And I think yeah. there's a lot of people. I think if you polled people in MMA and said, what's the fight you want to see most? Of course. They're going to say Jones versus Francis. But putting yourself in the UFC the shoes. UFC you can needs see, yeah. to, as a promotion, do what they feel is best for their business. And yeah. listen, I, you know, people are going to listen to this and say, oh, Aaron's so pro-promotion. I'm not pro-promotion. I just understand what their economic model is. I understand what they're trying to do, and I understand why. Yeah. But listen, when Dana White comes out and says, oh, Derek Lewis is the fight to make right now, it's not the fight to make right now. 
It's not. I mean, like, let's be honest. No. The fight to make no. right now is John Jones versus Francis. Big time. And and that's I, the part that's a little bit disingenuous about it because Dana White should come out and say we're having trouble coming to terms with John Jones. Derek Lewis is ready to go. He has a win over Francis. We're going to make that fight instead. Just be yeah. honest about it. Yeah. I mean, I just think the fans still think a lot of times that this is a sport, right, and not a business. So right. in sports, we want to see the best play the best. You know, that's what we want. But that's not the case when it comes to the UFC. So you uh, made a good point. But I think people got to know that you're just putting yourself in the UFC shoes. And yeah. I think that's important I'm, I'm, to understand I'm why. from their perspective. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, frustrating that uh, that's the way it is. And boxing lives off that idea of never getting to see the two best fight and the promotion and the hype but when they do they're mega super fights so mm. i'm hoping that's the case when it comes to the I, ufc I mean, that if, eventually if me, we get in it's massive if it's me i would pay john jones the money because i think i can make it back like i think i can make yeah can make and the marketing and promotion is worth it itself you know everyone will talk but here's about the other it. thing the ufc has to think about what happens if you put john jones in there against francis and jones wins and he was really difficult to deal with this time around you're gonna have your heavyweight champion that you don't want to give, like, you're not going to pay John Jones the same amount of money to face Francis Ngannou as you would for him to fight Volkov or Cyril Gaon yeah. or Lewis. Yeah. It's, it's just not there, yeah. And if Francis yeah. is willing to fight for similar money every time or whatever, follow his contract, I think you need to, if you're John Jones, you need to suck it up and take an incentive-laden contract to fight Francis. Say, okay, I'm, I'm going to lower my base for this. But I want points. I want a good amount of pay-per-view points, and I'm going to go out and sell this thing. Because yeah, that's what I guess we're looking for. Well, I guess with the audience and uh, the gate being available now, it's a little bit easier to ask for a little bit more money. But what's the gate bring in for them? What was this last gate? Oh, three and a half million yeah. or something like yeah. that? It's, it's not that crazy where it's going to make up this huge difference. You know? That's what I mean, right? Like That's what people need yeah. to realize when they look at the discrepancy between paying a Derek Lewis two, three million dollars and paying John Jones 25 to 30 million dollars. Yeah, and Ooh, it's just it's opening doors for more people to want to ask for that money, and it That's just creates it a bad snowfall, you know? Yeah. It's just now, now Connor's going to be like, well, hold on, hold on. You paid John Jones this? Well, I'm going to ask for this, and then and then it's just it's going to continue to do it. But, I mean, I think that's a positive thing. I mean, there's got to be the union guy sometimes to step up for the team and be like, hey, I know I'm going to put my foot down for the betterment of pay and for the future. But, that's not, but people know from that John Jones is not going to be doing it for the other fighters. He's doing it for himself. That's oh, the problem exactly. also. Yeah. Is, is like but a it's lot opening of these... the door at least, you yeah. know, to conversation of more money. I've got to say – that the idea of unionizing the fighters right now is a lot easier said than done. I, like, I, I don't think that it's even a possibility, to be honest, unless there was some real... Think of it this way. Let, let's, let's put it into perspective. Remember the uh, MMAAA? And the, GSP was uh, like a it was part GSP, of it. GSP, TJ yeah. Dillashaw, Cain Velasquez, Donald Cerrone. They had heavy hitters upon heavy hitters running that thing. Kane was one of the best heavyweights in the world at the time. Dillashaw was one of the best bantamweights in the world at the time. Still is. GSP, one of the best fighters of all time. Yep. That thing dissolved in like a week. In a week it was done. <laughs> yeah. So for people to say, wow, the fighters should just unionize. It's like, well, maybe we should look at historical moments and, and yeah. realize that maybe it's uh, not, not exactly uh, the easiest thing to try to do. And then we also had the situation where, I, I, was it... Uh... Leslie Smith, not Leslie Smith. 
recently they got cut from the UFC. She was very vocal yeah, about Unions. And, and same with yeah. Cajun Johnson. Both of them. Cajun Johnson, yeah. They, so, I mean, the problem is it's not the idea of a union being good or bad. The, the actual problem is it's the fighters who aren't at the big stage yet. So what's going to happen, like, if – for every fighter on that UFC this last weekend, for example, there are hundreds and thousands of people waiting to take that spot mm-hmm. for half of the pay for, right. you know, so, I mean, there's always someone to do it for cheaper. So that's the issue. And are they going to, there's some times where you've seen that the main events where you're paying the most and it's a boring fight. But then on your prelim, you got guys that you're paying 10 grand in the UFC right. for, and they're just bangers. You know, we saw, what is it? Molina, just crazy fight. And we're all talking about it. Before and Molina probably made 12 grand, you know, 12 and 12. He's probably walked out with 20, you know, your main event costs you a couple million dollars, you oh. know? So, I mean, there's yeah. always someone there to take your spot for cheaper. The, the one thing about uh, the UFC and Dana White that they've done better than anybody else is they, they've they've made the the big star of the UFC. It's big not time. it's not about like specific fighters. Connor, I think, is a bit of an outlier, but like you said, so let's say all the fighters said we're gonna we're gonna have a lockout. We're we're gonna try to unionize, and they and and Sean Shelby calls you and says, Hey Joe. We want Matt Speciale to fight on our card this week. We're going to pay him $30,000. Yeah. Show him right, 30000 win. Yeah. He's going to look up for himself. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you have to eat. You have to survive. It's something. It's the other guys. The guys who who are promoting, like, yeah, let's have a union, they have so much money that they don't have to fight this year. Right. But the, you need this person needs to eat, support his family. It's everything. He wants to get to the big show. So he's going to do what he has to do. And, I mean, I think that's just – it'll forever be the problem. And the other issues, too, even if you were to ask me, we'll just give a hypothetical example. If the UFC offered me $50,000 a year to fight for them and then Bellator – offered me $100,000 a year to fight with them without even a thought I'm fighting for $50,000 a year with the UFC because I know there's more promotion, there's no marketing, there's more attention, I'll become a bigger star. So I would take the financial hit just to be in the UFC because I know the marketing machine behind it. Yeah, I think that's uh... another why you don't want to take that sometimes. So I think forever the UFC being the brand leader will always have a hold. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, it's uh, certainly an interesting time right now for the UFC. And uh, so it looks like we already know where Usman's going to go from here. It looks like it's going to be Colby Covington, at least for now. That, that seems to be the direction they're going in. Um, there was a couple, of, a couple other things that I wanted to talk about, but uh, there was one specific thing I really wanted to talk about, but I can't remember off the top of my head. Oh, Nick Diaz. This is what I want to talk about. Oh, yeah. So yeah, there's, there's of, a rumor going around that Nick Diaz, in his first fight back, would be facing Hamzat Shemaev. This was a report yeah. yesterday. Are you kidding me? Like, are you trying to get this man killed? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, like, you can't have Nick. Nick. So hold on. First off, I, I put put out a tweet and and uh, someone said, "Who do you want to see Nick Diaz face?" And uh, I, I put I said Robbie Lawler, and people. I lots, saw you tweeted yeah, that. That lots was perfect. Of people, lo- perfect. Lots of people were on yeah. board. One guy responds to me and goes, "Come on, you you can't give you got to give Nick someone more relevant." And I, I respond to this guy, I go. More relevant, I go. And Robbie Lawler. I go. Robbie Lawler was the champion more recently than Nick Diaz last fought. Yeah. Robbie Lawler yeah. was the welterweight champion. <laughs> Nick Diaz hasn't won a fight in eleven years or something like that. Like, when was the last time? How old was Nick Diaz the last time he won a fight? I'm interested in this. I'm gonna look this up now. But yeah, would would murder this guy. Listen, I, I and I'm not trying to disrespect Nick, but he hasn't fought in the cage. Think of how, how much has martial arts, mixed martial arts changed, Joe, in the last six years. That's the last time he fought. It was six years ago. Yeah. 
I, mean, I don't think, think Shamayev problem... had fought in the last time. Like, in 2015, yeah. I don't think Shamayev has started his career yet. No, probably not. Maybe just not even in Brave, for sure. Not even yet. Because he started out with Brave, right? Yeah. So so Nick Diaz's last year, last last win was on my, my 10-year-old son's first birthday. It was uh, October oh, 29, geez. 2011. I guess his name still carries that Diaz name, man, carries weight, you know, for so many years after. It's it's exciting fight, but like I also gotta think like I agree with your Robbie Lawler. I think that's fun. I think that's the perfect matchup because you want to give him a a name that's exciting. But I don't agree with Shamayev. I never I didn't even heard that. That's that's crazy. Yeah, that was reported by Chris Taylor of BJPen.com. It's pretty fun, though. It's a fun matchup, but, but I think it's crazy Dana to the press say. Dana said, someone said, would you consider Shamaya versus Nick Diaz? And he said, yeah. I'm thinking, like, are you kidding? You yeah. So, like, <laughs> so who I other than Robbie that. Lawler, then? Who other than Robbie Lawler would you Condit, put in? Matt Brown. That, so you're looking at those older yes. guys. In their, yes. Oh, you, yeah, don't, you don't fair. have a guy that's going to be a top 15 up-and-coming fighter right now. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So yeah. how? So let me let me look at how old Shemaev is. So Shemaev is 26. He's turning 27 in a couple days. So he's almost 27 years old. The last time Nick Diaz won a fight, he was 28. So he was a year older than yeah. Shemaev is now. The last time he won a fight. Like I, I don't like. Jeez. Again, I'm not trying to disrespect Nick Diaz here, but at least if you're going to bring him back, give him a winnable fight. Give him something where he can at least look good because he's not going to look good against Shemaev. But do you think he's coming? What would the odds be? If you had had Hamzat Shemaev against Nick Diaz, who hasn't won a fight in 11 years, what do you think the odds are for that? I would say they're 20-1. I think you could look at it that way, but I don't think they would be that way. I don't don't think they would disrespect Nick that way. It's not a matter of disrespecting. What what price would you need to get Nick Diaz at? Who you haven't seen fight in, what what, what did we say, was six years? Yeah, we haven't seen him fight in six five years, to one? and he hasn't won a fight in eleven years. What price would would get you to take him over Kamza Shemaev at the betting? There would, I, I don't think there would be. I don't think there would be <laughs> low enough. Not even in a parlay. I don't think it. Yeah, I, I would see at least four or five to one, minimum. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, minimum. I would minimum. Say. So like, I wouldn't even touch it. So yeah, <laughs> it's like, I don't know. But man. like, uh, who else? Like, I mean, if you, yeah, I mean, the only one, honestly, that's making sense right now is the Robbie Lolly. You're absolutely yeah. correct. Lawler, that's the Condit, perfect Diego perfect. Sanchez. Uh, you don't want to give him like you don't want to give him. What about okay? What what about Masvidal now? I mean, he's like, a higher level, I but I mean, know, older. I would wreck him. Yeah, but I mean, that's what he's coming for. He's coming to. A, he I mean, still thinks it, he's it the best be in the world. Help. It would be a smart move promotionally because at least you can keep building. You can build the Masvidal BMF back up. Brand, uh, you know, here like let him yeah. let him fight for the BMF again, like. Do it again or something ridiculous. That makes but... sense. Listen, that makes sense from a promotional standpoint. I, I think that Jorge would box him up and it would be a, it would not look oh, good. Oh, big time. But I mean, not look good at all. But... but I mean, hey, at least you'd be able to build Masvidal back up. That would be a big fight. Like, but I, I just think Nick Diaz himself is going to the UFC and probably saying, hey, don't give me none of these blah, 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 blah. I want the best. I'm... So he's probably going in asking for these bigger names. So that's what I'm thinking the issue is. I guess so, but I mean, hey, ah, like the guy yeah, had a beer in his hand man. at the event. Like, I mean, 
<laughs> yeah. It's a crazy man. I saw videos. He he trains still with his triathlon stuff, right? He looks like he's in great shape. Yeah, I'm sure, sure he is. Sure. But, like, fight shape and again, is different than triathlon just, shape. I, you, you can't know? have him fight Shemaev. Like, you just, like, if, I, if, I'm, a, if I'm a sanctioning yeah, body, like I'm, not, I'm not sanctioning that fight. Honestly, I don't think I want to watch any other fight now besides Robbie Lawler. You, you got yeah. me sold and stuck on that's it. That's the that, fight. That's the fight. That is 100% hands down the fight. That is it. And we haven't seen Lawler in a bit. I mean, who knows well, what's happening? Lost four in a row. Yep, that's the fight. That is definitely the fight. I'm looking now. They have Sean Brady ranked over Robbie Lawler now. Yeah, he should be. You know? Yeah. So he hasn't <laughs> been fighting. This is the perfect time. Yeah. So, I mean – Robbie now obviously not even caring or competing to be in the top 10 anymore. So that is the fight. And if he gets past Robbie Lawler and looks pretty good, okay, then yeah, let's have then the conversation. Sure. Yeah. I need to yeah. see what I'm getting here. But I yeah, don't want to see it against Shemaev because I just don't think he has a chance. Yeah, I don't think he has I a shot of beating comes at Shemaev. I mean, who knows? Now with Shemaev and these lung issues and just let's hope he's good. So who knows? Maybe in his sure. mind he's – thinking uh, and he's like oh oh maybe in his mind is my lungs aren't there maybe i gotta take it easy so maybe but now he's he comes out if he wrecks nick diaz if if, if if he goes out and wrecks nick diaz he'll let you everybody expects oh you think it does anything for him i don't know well it's been like izzy it was like izzy versus uh anderson silva we all knew izzy was gonna win at least we, but we saw like that anderson silva was still a capable legend. fighter at that point in time like we haven't seen Nick Diaz fight in, yeah, in six years. His mouth years. makes him capable. His mouth will make him capable. He'll he'll talk himself into a competitive. Before the fight, Nick Diaz will make you think it's almost a close fight. That's uh, just his maybe. potential, we'll you know? We'll see. Yeah. I, again, I'd like to see Nick Diaz come back and succeed, but I think that that's why you need to put him against somebody who at least would be a, a, a winnable close fight. And again, yeah. you take it. There are a lot of the, – the beauty of 170 pounds is there are a lot of really good big-name guys – that are a little bit past their prime, like, yeah. like I mentioned. You got, and like yeah. said, we don't even know. Robbie Lawler might go in there and just beat the crap out of Diaz too. You sure. know, like yeah, nah, just that's big, what I would guess would happen. Yeah, just, <laughs> Robbie Lawler would still have to be a favorite as well. Oh, for sure. A smaller one for sure, two to one. Two to one. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So yeah, interesting. But he's back. We talk about him. It's what the Diaz name does. Oh, actually, another interesting name that somebody threw at me. This one, this one might catch your attention. Somebody wrote this, and I hadn't thought about this at all. Joseph Altolini? Well, no. if you're interested, sure. But uh... I, I always wanted to, by the way. That's why I said it. It was like, <laughs> and not in a disrespectful way, I've always wanted to fight Nick or Nate Diaz just because I'm like, those punches won't hurt me. How can they not low kick that leg? And and they still like, I need to know what is behind these zombies of like pressure and fighters. Like I've always wanted to fight them just as a personal like uh, goal. Well, that wasn't so. the name I was going to throw out to you. A Twitter follower suggested this. Kevin Holland versus Nick Diaz. Yeah. I'm interested. I, I can deal I'm with interested. that. I like it. Have, have Holland move down to 170 or, Nate, or Nick move up to 185? I'm interested. I just think it would be fun to watch. It would be cool. Interesting. I like it. I like it. That's, that's yeah, that's, that's a good second runner for me. Mm-hmm. But I, I think Lawler's, Lawler's, the, Lawler's the one. Let's make that yeah. one happen. Would you put Holland over? I would think I'd still like to see Condit. I'd still like to see maybe Condit Cond- over yeah. Holland. Yeah, same with me, Condit. Even or Diego Matt Brown. Sanchez, Cerrone, Matt Brown. Brown, any of those guys. Diego Sanchez, not so much. Not so much for me. Not I think so Diego's much. retiring after this next fight anyways. But uh, Diego's more 155 too, right? Yeah, and the times he come up to 170, he just looked really out of shape. It didn't look good on him. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think so, if yeah, there's anything they're... else. Uh, I mean, uh, Tristan Connolly unfortunately lost this past weekend. Uh, looked good in the third round. This is a guy that just doesn't go away. 
But uh, that Pat Sabatini guy, I think, has a good future in the, in the division. Yeah, I mean, Connolly, after he beat Michelle Pereira, we haven't really seen him do much since then. So I, I was kind of hoping he would uh, have some momentum and confidence from that. But the kid was good. Sabatini was really good. Yeah. Um, also, Marvin Vittori versus Israel announced for uh, for June. That's uh, another thing we didn't really discuss. Uh, mm-hmm. l- listen, Whitaker was the right was the right pick. Like uh, Whitaker should have been next, but if I'm Robert Whitaker, I think he made the right choice of not taking that fight. Uh, you know, he's, he's got to be away from his family for weeks and weeks. Just had a fourth kid. Um, just the timing doesn't work out for him. He just went through a five-round yeah. tough fight with Kelvin Gastelum. He won a fight that he clearly won, but definitely took some damage. I mean, it's Kelvin Gastelum. He hits like a truck. So um, I think that having him sit on the sidelines, let Israel... Israel's not the type of guy to take a lot of time off, right? So if you have Israel against Vittori... Whoever wins that fight is a good matchup for Whitaker later in the year. And I think that that's, that's what would make a lot of sense for Whitaker. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think the fight makes sense because Izzy wants it. I think that's um, – Izzy wants to fight by June, my understanding is. So it yeah. makes sense. So, But Izzy could have easily been like, yeah, forget Vittorio. I'm just going to wait an extra three, four months, chill a little bit, and then fight Whitaker. A lot of um, champions who have been around for a while would have probably picked that choice. But uh, – Izzy stays active, stays sharp. You know, it's it's a it's a very winnable fight for him to kind of win and not to take too much damage. But I think that would be a mistake because Vittori is just a beast. But uh, it's interesting. I mean, I'm still uh, I still like to see Izzy Whitaker as my my next uh, exciting fight for him. Mm-hmm, for sure. Well, uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else we didn't touch on, Joe. Any uh, anything else come to mind? We we uh, saw a lot of upsets at uh, the PFL. Did you watch that PFL card? Uh, no, I just saw a little, little bit. I just know uh, Anthony Pettis ended up losing. Uh, that was the big upset for me. That was that a fun I saw. fight. Clay Collard's a good fight. That he- that head kick though. I just saw the head kick at the end. That Ooh. Pettis almost yeah. came back and almost got the finish. And that's Pettis for you. Yeah, yeah. The guy doesn't go away. I mean, look at what he did to Wonder Boy, right? I mean, uh, and, and I mean to to have him and Lance Palmer and uh, Nathan Schultz lose oh, that's on the same right. night. Lance I mean, Palmer, wow. Too. That's a lot yeah. of uh, that's a lot of upsets. Yeah. Speaking of the Pettises, though, I, I'm really excited to see Sergio is against uh, Ancheleta, is it? Yeah, Juan, Juan Ancheleta. Yeah, that's uh, that's a great fight. I like watching Sergio's. I think anytime the Pettis brothers fight, I'm, I'm into it. They always strike well. They're fancy. They're fun. And always big fans. They always bring it, Joe. Always bringing it. That's <laughs> it. And you got to think, like, we think of Sergio as this old guy. Sergio's probably what? Not Sergio. Um, uh, I mean, Anthony, even Anthony. He's probably like 34, 30. Yeah, not, not even. Probably my age, even younger. No, I think he's younger than yeah, you he's are. Been no, around no, a dis- long. no disrespect, but I. No, I, I know. I'm saying like Pettis. a year or two younger for sure. Anthony At least Pettis a year or two. is. He's 34. Just turned 34 in January. So yeah, he's like two years younger than me. Yeah. And I think Sergio yeah. is still in his 20s. Yes, yeah, so you're just a baby. Yeah, I mean, he's, and that's the thing. Other thing that surprised me was Anthony Smith only being 32 years yeah, old. Anthony Smith is, is one of those really surprising. Dang, guys. that that really shocked me. Yeah, I, I'm uh, I'm surprised by that too. Sergio Pettis, 27, so he's yeah. turning 28 this year. He's yeah, he's that's a good age, young guy. I think that I think late 20s in your fighting is the best time. The late 20s, hitting your early 30s, is uh, the time where you've just ready to go. Your experience, that body, but under below that, like I just I don't love it. I think, uh, and it, it, they said also Rose was the only champion yeah. under 30 yeah, years old. I yeah, I, I tweeted that out. She's the only oh. champion in the in the UFC in their 20s. And she was 29, right? I think she's 29. Uh, 20, mm-hmm. she's turning 29. 
turning 29. Yeah. I won my world title at 29. That was my age, too. That's the age. It's a good age. That's, <laughs> I wanted to do it before 30, so I was yeah, happy I did go. that. You got, it, you got it done. I wanted to get my black belt before I turned 40. That's not going to happen. That's out of the no? question. Out of the question. Okay. Well, there's no classes. Well, with you signing up to Bazooka <laughs> Online, and then maybe I'll get you your black belt in a couple of years. we got to go. work on it. I won't get it, it by 40. I'll make though. up turn, a ranking I turn 40 system. too soon. Okay. Well, 45. We'll make it before you're 45. We're going to get you. Do you do belts? Do you have a belt system at Bazooka? Uh, No belts. We just do like a a leveling, like a beginner, intermediate, advanced. Okay. Well, we can. But I could make them up. I can give you an honorary Bazooka, you know. Uh, It's going to take a little bit, but you have to take some low kicks from me. There's an initiation process. We can do like a a stunt photo where, you know, Bazooka Joe gives Aaron his black belt and uh, I give him a thumbs up. All right. Just for social media clout. I like it. Social media clout, yeah. People don't mess with me. I'll, put like a picture. I'll get a bumper sticker made of it so that if people are, you know, tailing me, they'll see me and you and me with a black belt, and they'll be like, oh, well, I don't want to mess. I don't want to tail this guy anymore in my pickup truck. Yeah, I it's like it. pickup we're, trucks. We'll make you look intimidating somehow. We'll give you a nice uh, old-school Chuck Liddell haircut. We'll put some fake tattoos on your neck or something. we got to toughen like you up. Yeah, give you a new look. My, my Matt Brown chest hair isn't going to cut it? Yeah, no. We'll, uh, we'll maybe <laughs> shave something into it or something. I don't All know. Right. we got to get creative with you. I'll gotta save, create a, a fighter's image with you. I'll shave Miley Cyrus into it or whatever it was that she wanted uh, Julian Marquez to shave into his chest. Yeah, there you go. You're married, Aaron. That's it. Yeah. You got kids. Yeah, no, Miley Cyrus is stuff. not on my radar. No, not your types. All right. It's not a matter of my type, Joe. I mean, you you've stated the facts. Off off I'm the market. Yeah, <laughs> off the market. Yeah, I'm not browsing right now. You know. No, good idea. All right. So, all right. Well, I'm we'll, good. Uh, We'll see you next week. Best of luck on the launch. We'll talk about that uh, next week. How people excited can, uh, for it. Yeah, stay tuned. Classes. Is there a website URL yet, or is that yet to be uh, determined? Um, or yet to be we have told? it, but uh, we ain't sharing it yet. Okay. All right. We're going to save a little bit longer because we want to make people wait for it when it's launched perfectly. Well, I'd like, I'd love to see uh, the beta version. So if you want to, if you want to send that to me, so I can just see what it looks like, maybe I can give you some we, feedback, and we can, uh, we can go. All forward. right. I don't mind that. Maybe in a couple of days I'll send it because there's a few. We're just waiting to add some nice thumbnails and images, yeah. and uh, we want to make it uh, visually appealing for everyone. All right. Well, Joe, as long as you're on the side, I think it's going to be visually appealing for everyone. That's it. I have some with man. abs, some with t-shirts. Yeah. There you, you go. Know? Now you're there selling. You now you're really selling. Let's go. More That's ab it. pictures. More ab pictures. You got to <laughs> come train to get these abs. All right. Well, there if, that, if that's a guarantee, then I'm definitely signing up. That's well, guaranteed. All right. Let's see. As, as long as you eat well and. A lot of other things, but yeah, there you go. We'll get you there. All right, Joe. Well, we'll talk about it next week, and uh, thanks for doing this. This weekend, we didn't even talk about this weekend's card because uh, there was so much to unpack from last week. Do you want to just do a quick uh, quick dive into uh sure. Yeah, let me know what you're excited for, and yeah, All right, let's break take, it down let's for me. Let's take a peek at some odds here. We've also, first off, Rory McDonald making his PFL debut, by the way, on Friday against Curtis Millinder. So that's a, that's a fun fight. A lot of good fights on this, the PFL. PFL is a, a really good stable of talent, I find. Um, but yeah, it's stepping up good. So Dominic Reyes, Yuri Prokhashka is the main event. You got uh, Giga Chikadze, your guy, in the co-main event against Cub. Excited for that one. That one's a good Another glory kickboxing uh, alum, uh, Dustin Jacoby, facing Iwan Kutelaba. Lots of glory alum. We had Roberson uh, this past week. Yeah, last weekend. You got uh, Jacoby Chikadze. Uh, you got Sean Strickland, your guy, against... Uh, crazy Sean Strickland. Yeah, crazy Sean Strickland. He's not fighting a barista this time, fighting Chris Jotko. Which is tough. Like, this is a big test for Sean, I think, here. Yeah, Jotko's really good. Jotko just doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Uh, you got Mirab Dualashvili against Cody Stamen. Does Cody Stamen fight every weekend, or, does, or is, am like I confused? It. it seems like he just fights a lot. Yeah, they're living uh, down in Vegas now. Ready yep. to go. Uh, He's Paul, with the, the Uriah team. I met him uh, in Dubai, I believe. With, which, uh, with Uriah Hall? 
He, uh, not Uriah Faber, sorry. With Uriah Stamen? Faber. I don't think so. I think Stamen trains uh, at Extreme Couture. Uh, oh, well, I saw him with Uriah. Maybe okay. they were just uh, friends yeah. or training yeah, together. No, I, think, I think he trains in Vegas. Uh, Pollyanna Botelho against Luana Carolina. Uh, Luana Pinheiro versus Randa Marcos. Luana Pinheiro is one to watch. She looked great on the Contender Series. Uh, Randa Marcos has her hands full again. It seems like they keep putting these, these big prospects against Randa. Yeah, big time. Poor, like they don't give her a, a winnable fight. They just keep putting her. But Ronda Marcos is tough, so yeah. that's why. Uh, Loma Luke Bunmi against Sam Hughes. Another Canadian KB Buller on the card against Andreas Michalidis. Yep, KB Buller looks good. He's always with. Um, I see him in the he's corner in, all the time with. With, uh, with uh, what's his name? Uh, the heavyweight Bozer. Tanner Bowser. Tanner Bowser. Yeah. No good. KB Buller, good kid. I yeah. like him. And uh, and Teddy, uh, what's his name? Teddy. Uh, uh, he's another regional scene guy. Teddy Ash uh, out in uh, Edmonton as well. Uh, Gabriel Benitez against Jonathan Pierce. Kai Kamaka against TJ Brown. And Luke Sanders versus Felipe Colares. So uh, some, some good, uh, good fights on the card. Good, good competition. Uh, looking forward to Iwan Kutelava against Justin Jacoby. That should be a fun one for sure. Two, oh, two yeah. guys that like to walk forward and strike. Kobe going to keep chopping those calves. Watch out. And Dominic Reyes, an underdog against Yuri Prokhashka. Very surprising. But uh, Yuri looks like uh, the real deal. So uh, his second fight in the UFC after moving over from uh, being the champion in Ryzen. Uh, had a win over Volkan Uzdemir in his last fight. Very exciting fight. So uh, he's he's moving up the ladder. If he gets a win over Reyes, he's probably uh, next in line after Glover. So looking forward to, to that one for sure. Yeah, and he, I think this is a, a time for him to kind of build his name. I mean, we don't know much about him. He's got a big opportunity, and if you do a good showing against Reyes, I mean, in this light heavyweight division, you move pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Main event certainly doesn't hurt either. So, a lot to like. The big test for Giga Chikadze against uh, Kyle. I'm surprised he's favored in that fight, but uh, it is what it is. So, who's the favorite in that? Cubs the Giga. favorite? No, Giga. Oh, Giga. Giga was a big favorite actually, earlier in the week. It actually dropped. Giga was a. Giga was a minus 200 favorite earlier in the week. And recently yeah. dropped. The, the one thing that scares me is Cubs experience, you know, like if you. he can wear out Giga in the first round, Giga has a little bit of tendency to fade a little bit. If you can grapple him and close that distance, which is do. a challenge, yeah. like the close distance on Giga's right. The sidekicks, the kicks, the spin is, is really tough. But I mean, it just, what worries me is that Cub experience. That's, that's 38 professional MMA fights. Giga's still kind of new to MMA. Like he's an experienced striker, but newer to the, the, the whole game. Well, Cub is just a bright mind. Like I think, I think Cub could be a good coach if he wanted to. He's really good at, uh, at devising strategies for, for beating a lot of these guys that are like, you saw how he beat Duho Choi. Uh, who did he beat in his last fight? He was a, he was a pretty big underdog. I remember. And I was surprised by yeah. that. Yeah, it was a uh, Daniel Pineda. So he was able to beat Daniel Pineda. Like he's able to find, uh, to beat these kind of guys with momentum just by. Because uh... I even know Charles Jordan called him out too. He did. I mean, everybody wants Cub Swanson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Charles wants to fight somebody who's going to be scared of. That's why he wants to fight Cub Swanson. Yeah. That's. I'd be yeah. I I'd, I'd be scared of Cub. Man, eh, mm-hmm. a little bit, not much, but yeah, he's still scared. You're, you're Out of all the guys, no, I know Cub's Cub's amazing. I've been a fan of Cub for years. I just hope uh, he comes to fight. I like it. All right, Joe. Well, uh, always nice chatting with you, talking shop, and uh, we'll talk about your new shop uh, online. Yep. Lessons for everybody uh, next week. Thanks for tuning in. Awesome. See you guys. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.